Hey friends, you're listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. If you've ever struggled with having godly friendships, today's show is just for you. Kelly Needham is an author, speaker, and blogger in hopes to convince as many people as possible that nothing compares to knowing Jesus. She recently wrote the book, Friendish, Reclaiming Real Friendship in a Culture of Confusion. From the moment Kelly and I started talking, it was evident that she has an authentic relationship with Jesus through her words, wisdom, truth, and grace. Special thank you to Thomas Nelson Books for giving away two copies of Kelly's book, Friendish, one for you and one for a friend. To enter to win those books, simply text the phrase Real Talk to 44222 on your cell phone. That number is 44222. Okay, enough small talk. Let me introduce you to my new friend, Kelly Needham. Well, hey, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Rachel. So glad to be talking with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on here. I'm excited about the book we're going to talk about. Um, Before we jump into all of the fun questions that I have for you, I would love, in the intro, I always read like the professional pretty bio of my guests, but (laughs) something fun I've been doing lately is there's something that maybe if you and I were just having coffee, if I said, hey, tell me about yourself, what would you say about yourself? I'd probably first tell you that the most important person in my life is Jesus. Mm. And I know that's like super Christian or whatever, but really day in, day out, I'm like, man, when I feel far from him, that's my important, most important goal. It's like, man, I need to reconnect with you, Jesus. And um, that's like the gravitational center of my life, even of my parenting and in my marriage. So that's like, that's my, this, the part of me that is the most precious. Um, he's just changed me. And I spend most of my days making lunches and doing laundry and very normal things, cleaning up the popcorn kernels all over my carpet. I've got three kids between eight and four, and it's awesome. We love love our kids. Parenting has been super fun for me and my husband, and we've been married 13 years now. So life is very full and in the best way. We're trying to do what most of us are trying to do, not get too busy, but just use every ounce of our day and our time for Jesus and and what he would have us do. So yeah, there's a few things about me. (laughs) I love it. And if I were sitting there, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, we're so similar. We've been, my, my husband and I've been married 14 years and we have have three kids except for they're a little older. They're between the ages of eight and 12. So yeah. Yeah. Just yesterday. In fact, right now in our playroom, we have a huge fort set up. So it's like all of our dining room chairs are upstairs. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just let you guys be kids and we're going to, we're going to just ignore the mess mess right now because it's fun. Um, I would love to know, you know, I love that you led with that. You tell me that if you, you know, the first thing you tell somebody is that Jesus is your everything to somebody Mm -hmm. listening who really doesn't fully understand that in their heart. Like they hear that said, you know, and they're like, Oh, well, that's cool. Where was that shift for you? Like, has that always been that way for you? And, or what's your story about that? Yeah, I, I did grow up going to church. And so in the early years of my life, I probably would have told you Jesus is my everything because it was the right Christian answer and that that was what I should believe. But I don't know if it would have proved to be true in my day and day life. But somewhere along the way in my junior high and in high school years, which again is still pretty young, I was reading my Bible on my own in my room. I don't even know why. I'm not sure if it was an assignment, something was going on. 
But God just spoke to me in a way that felt very personal and real and applicable for like my day that day. And that's when God started to become a real person in my life, not just this like idea or this system of religion that I do. And I couldn't get enough of of him. I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to talk to him through my day. And so for me, when I say Jesus is my everything, I mean, he's a a real active participant in my day in day out life, just like my husband is or my kids are. I think for a lot of people that that reality of relationship with him is not necessarily there. There's maybe some religious activity on the outside, but Jesus doesn't feel like a real person to them. And uh, I'm thankful that God worked that in my life when I was fairly young, but it all started with me and reading his word, reading the things he had to say and looking for him throughout my day and, and believing that he wanted to be active in my life in that way. So yeah, that's, that's what I mean by that. Jesus is, is like my best friend, my real, the real person who's with me and uh, who I engage with all day. So, yeah, I love that. You know, this actually leads us I didn't plan this, but it leads us perfectly into what we're going to talk about today, your book that you just released. And I feel like, you know, as I'm I'm getting to know you right along with the listeners, you and I have not met met before now, but I feel like some of the people who can have the richest, most beautiful friendships you know, on earth are those like you who are like, Jesus is a real, where that relationship is secure, Jesus first and foremost, then the relationships mm-hmm. off of that are super healthy because you're not looking yeah. at those friendships to be your God, to be your Jesus, to be your savior. You know, it's like, okay, I'm secure here with Jesus. And then my friendships right. can sprout off from that. And that's really healthy. Totally. And I think it's, we're all drawn to relationship. That's what we all want. That's what every movie and song and book is about, whether the person is searching for a relationship in a romantic relationship or with a friend or with a child, we're looking for a relationship that will satisfy us and in some ways save us, right? Out of the mundane of life or out of hardship. And God wired us for that. That's actually a good desire, but we all tend to look for it in the wrong places. We look for it in marriage and friendship and parenting and ministry, and those all come up dry. And only, you know, Jesus, a relationship with him is, is what will satisfy us and make us fully come alive. And you're right. When we get that, when we do that, when we go to the fountain of living waters for, for that refreshment and get satisfied, it changes the dynamic of all our other relationships in the best way. And it actually lets them thrive. So I I agree with you. That's totally where, for me, healthy friendship starts with relationship with Jesus as my first friend. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love it. Okay, so just last week, your book release is called Friendish, right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. we're going to kind of dig into that. But here's my question to you. A lot of times I see, and correct me if I'm wrong, that (laughs) we write and we speak from our own places of struggle or pain or frustrations. Is that true for you on this topic? Or where did your heart for this topic come from? Yeah, this book exists. And I wrote this book primarily because it didn't exist yet. And I needed it to like 10 years ago. And some for my own friendships, but also because there were women that I loved dearly that I was walking with, who were facing a lot of problems in their friendships. And it was really hard for me even to figure out because it's not like they were, you know, like the movie Mean Girls backstabbing each other. It was like, these are women who are getting together for Bible study, they're going to church together, they really want healthy friendships, they're fighting for it. And yet, the things that are are breeding in that is jealousy and envy and strife and division. And, you know, I was like, well, what, what happened there? It was hard to figure out. So I started looking for a book on this and I really couldn't find anything. I found books that were saying, we need friendship. And I was like, yep, 
I'm there. Believe that, you know, found books on relationships like marriage, but I didn't find one really going deep into the details of how our friendships should be affected by our faith, why these problems happen. And so I started researching. I started reading the word. I started interviewing people. And so it did really, this book came out of a real need in my life to see this topic treated thoroughly biblically and also in a way that was helping uh, put some some good steps in place for people who wanted good friendships but were having trouble getting there. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about the book then. Like if if you and I, again, were sitting and having coffee, mm-hmm. actually tea in my case, as I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but um, <laughs> what is the one thing that if I could only take away one core message from the book, what would you want mm-hmm. that to be? Um. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Uh, the f- friendships are amazing and we need them, but they cannot satisfy us at a deep soul level. Mm-hmm. And that, that would be my one hope, that you need friendships, but they cannot satisfy your soul. And that may sound really like oxymoron, right? Like, what? I need them, but they won't satisfy? Totally. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of what your friends are supposed to do, especially as a Christian, if, if you have trusted in Christ, the job of my friends is to not satisfy my soul, but say, hey, your soul is thirsty. You need to go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Their, their job is to point me in the right direction of true satisfaction and true soul health, which is found only in Christ. I need them, but they cannot satisfy me. And sometimes we get that mixed up. We know we need friends. And so we assume, well, they, therefore, if I get good friends, I'll feel okay. I'll be satisfied with them. And I don't, that may last for a little while, but eventually those turn up dry. Like God says in the book of Jeremiah, that only he's the fountain of living waters. When we run somewhere else, it's a broken cistern, this thing that's meant to hold water, but it's broken. It always leaks out and drains out. It will come up empty eventually. And our friendships will do that. Um, And I think a lot of us can attest to that being true. You know, like we have those broken and fractured friendships that maybe started off good, or maybe are still good, but just we still feel like it's not enough mm-hmm. it's because they're not meant to satisfy us. Yeah, and we've got to look to Christ for that. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because it's kind of like my physical body needs food and water, but me eating and drinking only sustains my physical body. It does not sustain my spiritual body, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's like you're two separate things that yes, you still need it. That doesn't mean I should stop eating and drinking food and water, but it just means I need to recognize that those are two different needs that are really, you know, one's, one's my spirit man and one's my flesh man, you know, and, and they do overlap and, you know, point back to each other, but that's no, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a parable. The, The food we eat tells us, oh yeah, I need spiritual food. And I think God making us for relationship is doing the same thing. Yeah. It's pointing us to, you need relationship with a relational God who's three in one, who is a community within himself that he's saying, it's not good for you to be alone because you need me. So it's totally meant to point us in the same direction, in the same way food is. It's meant to point us to Christ. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question in a world where all of us women are so busy, you and I just in the beginning mm-hmm. talked about mom, wife, kids, forts in my you know, living room. Do you have any practical tips on how we can be a good friend to each other and still balance all our home life. And then like we just talked about, really put my relationship with Jesus first above it all. So I think that might be something I know I struggle with. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, one thing I think we can do is look at Jesus and 
look at his life and his friendships while he was on earth, that he really had, he had 12 guys he walked with. And then within that, only three he consistently brought into his like really intimate, really hard moments of the Garden of Gethsemane when he was you know, praying or the, the trans, Mountain of Transfiguration. You see him bring uh, these same three men in. And so my question to a lot of women is, if, if Jesus only had three really close friends and maybe 12 of a, a circle outside of that, what makes us think we can manage more than that? Mm. And I think our technology here has lied to us and kind of convinced us that we can kind of no relationship or friendship ever has to be seasonal. We can keep every friendship we've ever had at the same degree and the same level. And so then some of our efforts toward friendship are not effective because instead of maybe making time for one deep conversation with somebody throughout the week and maybe following up with that the next week, we're taking those hours and going, I've got to spread it between 10 people Mm. and maintain my social network. And then we never go deep with anyone and we're just stressed and trying to keep up with our social calendars and it doesn't actually produce a friendship that is life-giving. So I I think that would be the first thing I would say is we need to let go of some friendships, not because they're not important, but because we are limited people. Mm -hmm. We're we're limited. When you add children, right, they take your relational capacity away a little bit and that's okay. You only have so many slices of the pie. And so we've got to learn to be discerning about God, where, where are you calling me to go deep? And most of the time for us, when we're in local churches, that's going to look like the people right in front of us Mm. in our churches. And we have to hold some of these other relationships with open hands in a way that's really hard for us and might cause some grief. But again, if we don't do that, we're not going to have deep, meaningful friendships that we need that God made us for. Yeah. Oh, I have so many questions that just sprouted out from that. So my first question is, how do you recommend that people discern when it's time to maybe let go of some past friendships? Yeah. I mean, every season and every person is different a little bit, but one principle I would say is you see in our first two important commandments, right? Love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. A a neighbor, think about what a neighbor is. A neighbor is literally a nearby person, Mm -hmm. someone who is near you, maybe who lives next to you, who you work next to, who is in your church community. And so we need to first remember that proximity really matters. Mm -hmm. We need real flesh and blood friendships. We don't need digital friendships. And not that they're bad. We we have those and they're okay. But the transformative friendships we need are going to be those people we cross shoulders with week in, week out. And so when you're trying to discern which ones am I, do I need to hold on to, which ones do I need to let go of, you need to remember God's called you to love your neighbor. So who's around you? Who is he placed around you? Maybe in your small group, maybe the people who sit near you at church, maybe people you work with or friends that live on your street. I would start there and go, that matters. Jesus said, love your neighbor. And they are actually your neighbors. And, and sometimes those are not the women that we want to be friends with. If I'm being honest, yeah, those are like people we don't always click with and we click with our friend who like lives back in the city we move from. So we're going to like invest in that. But I think we shortchange ourselves there because that friend back home isn't running into us in the grocery store on our hard days. You know, we need those people that we bump shoulders with. And sometimes God has a purpose to put us around people we don't get along with 
easily because he wants to grow and change us and transform us in those friendships and challenge us. And that's part of the function of friendship too. It's just not one we always want. Yeah. Well, I'm getting my toes stepped on in a good way today. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, this is so good. I I always tell people that I get to like get my own little freedom session when I do the interviews and then I get to release it to the world and they get to have their freedom sessions. So this is God always knows what I need to. So this is Mm -hmm. fun. I love that. That's so practical. And it brings me to the second question I had when you were talking earlier about social media Oh, man, that feels like Mm. I know I'm personally guilty of this. So I'm not going to get up on a soapbox and talk about all you other people like I'm I'm guilty as well. (laughs) Of I feel like being on social media can sometimes feel like a counterfeit to good friendships Mm -hmm. because you do get these, you know, conversations going back and forth. And I'm seeing the lives of all these people Mm -hmm. that live in complete different states and I've never met in real life. And on one hand, it's really cool that we can connect to people I never would have connected to without social media, right? Right. On the other hand, it can totally make me stay like a hermit in my closet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) swiping through social media and missing out on all those friendships that are just right around the corner, you know? So I guess my question in this is how do we maybe put some good boundaries in place or make sure we're not allowing ourselves to, to get sucked into that. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it really can feed a lot of unhealthy things and it can make us feel connected when we're not, mm-hmm. um, when we're actually, like you said, home alone and having a hard day and the enemy can use it to awaken envy in us and self-pity and all sorts of things. And who knows, maybe the friends posting really cool pictures from their party right now are actually posting yesterday's pictures and they're at home crying in their closet, just like you are, mm. but we don't know it because yeah. we're not getting out of our house. So Social media is not evil. It's not bad. It can be used for good things. So I think it is important not to demonize it, but to instead go, how do I have a healthy relationship with these new technologies in a way that is not inhibiting real life friendships? And that's going to look different for everybody. But if you notice that you spend an hour on social media at home when you could have been building a friendship with somebody, Mm -hmm. then maybe you need to say to yourself, well, in this next week, I'm not going to get on social media until I reach out to a new friend in my church or my neighborhood or my community and have coffee with them and try to be honest about my life. And when I've done that, then I'll let myself check in with my other friends who aren't nearby. That's just one suggestion. But I think we all are going to have to look at how do we take control over this so it's not controlling us? How do I put social media in its place and fight for real friendship? Because what we need is not to know what's going on in each other's lives though that's really cool and helpful and interesting. What we need is we need people who know us, not just what's going on in our life, but like how we're wired, what we're tempted with, what we struggle with, what lies the enemy tells us that we're most tempted to believe and you know what's going on in, in our families or at homes and how they can pray for us. And when we're fighting to be known and to know other people in that way, Moments like this happen. This happened to me probably a couple years ago. We walked into the grocery store, me and my husband, on a really bad day. And we ran into a friend of mine from church. And we had been building a relationship. So she knew me. She knew some of the hard that was going on in my life. And I knew some of her life. And so my husband felt the confidence to walk over to her in the middle of the grocery store. And he just didn't even say hi. He said, hey, Kelly's having a hard day. She probably needs to talk to you. So I'm going to go get our groceries so she can sit here and talk to you about her hard day. And there in the middle of the grocery store, I just started crying and telling her all that was going on right then. And she was able to listen to me, encourage me and pray for me in the middle of like the cereal aisle, you know, 
And that's what we need. That's the transforming friendship we need, but it didn't happen online. And uh, we need to make space and time for those real friendships. And sometimes that means fasting from social media or just putting some boundaries on it for a season. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. What a good husband to recognize that too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I and didn't I like it at first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, uh, thanks, honey. Um, yeah. I also love that you've answered a couple questions with the statement. It's going to look different for everybody. I really appreciate that because I think that's really important. And I think that's actually part of the fun part of our walk with Christ mm-hmm. is he makes things personal. Yeah. He doesn't give us a cookie cutter mm-hmm. answer for every single person because we're all different. And I know for me, a couple, it's something that has worked is putting the boundaries. I have an iPhone. If you have an iPhone, this works, but Mm. I literally have settings to where between a certain time of night and morning, I can't even log in to my social media apps. Mm. Like I have, it's like, it's not even physically possible. And then I also (laughs) put in Instagram in particular, I put a time limit there. And so that's something, you know, that's worked for me. But again, I think every single person's different. And um, I just love that you, you premise these answers with that, like, well, it might look different for everybody because that's, an important message that I like to remember. Okay, yeah. so we've talked some about, do you see any other counterfeits that masquerade as friendship other than the social media one? Are there any others out there? Yeah, um, I think one that we see rising right now culturally is a counterfeit that in the book I call mimicking marriage mm. that we see kind of best friend relationships that mimic, they act like this exclusive ownership kind of union that only marriage is supposed to be. And that can be really tempting, especially as a single person to want to cultivate a friendship like that, because we sometimes think that exclusive relationship will maybe shield us from loneliness or, you know, uh, be what we need to have a place to belong, all these, these things. Yeah, I saw that a lot in my research. Best friendships that, again, they have exclusivity. It's just you and me. We make decisions together, life decisions together. We've you know, no one else is allowed in that little circle. And just as I read the word of God, I just don't see a place for that to be a healthy friendship. That was a cultural friendship that model friendship that I was addressing and just trying to help people see this is why we want those relationships. And it's, it's ultimately not going to satisfy and is, is not going to breed health in our communities when we foster those types of exclusive friendships. Yeah. And, you know, I can see that even in, um, you know, I'm a married woman and I've experienced those friendships where it's almost like they get jealous of you if you make a new friend. And is that a sign? Do you think of one of those trying to mimic marriage or no? Yeah, totally. I mean, jealousy is different than envy, right? Envy is wanting what someone else has, but jealousy is it comes from ownership. It's an intolerance of a rival. Mm. So if a woman is trying to interact with my husband, I should feel jealous because we owe, there's an ownership element in our marriage. So we belong to one another. And so I should be intolerant of a rival um, love in his life. Same for me. But in a friendship, that ownership is not there. We don't own our friends. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. And so as soon as we feel jealousy rise up in us, which again, if you're listening and you're going, that's totally me, you should know that's super common and normal. And we all struggle with that, especially if a friend has become for us something that we're like, I need you to be okay. And it can feel really threatening if they make a new friend or that's happening. So that's a really normal, but it it's not a good sign though. It's showing us something's wrong in that friendship or at least how we're enjoying it and how we're trying to build it because we're trying to place some level of, I own that friend. They belong to me. They're my best friend. They're my person. 
and no one else can get in on that. It's like, no, um, we're meant to be open-handed in our friendships and generous in our friendships to love others in a way that is fighting for them to um, be obedient to Christ, not to us. So it's, it's definitely a sign of, of a temptation toward that mimicking marriage friendship. And it's not a good thing. Yeah. But something very common that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. All right. So I have a personal question. I'm going to get real for a second. And it is, I real talk with Rachel. Exactly. I'm like, here we go. I'm going to confess to the whole wide world. My best friend is totally my husband. Um, and which Mm -hmm. is an awesome thing. Like we are just besties. We love to do all the same things together. And if I were to be honest and him and I've actually had this conversation even recently, I'm like, you know, I don't feel like I have even one girlfriend that's as close of a friend as my husband. Now I know, I mean, I do, I do think that obviously my husband's always going to be the closest, but it's really tempting for me to not pursue that deep friendship with women Mm -hmm. because I have it with him and he's not drama. He's not like high maintenance, you know, he doesn't get Mm -hmm. offended if I don't call. And so I guess my question then is, is it, do you feel like it's important for us to, have relationship like with the same sex. I know it's just such a different. So like mm-hmm. me having a, a girlfriend, you know, and not, right. not just relying on my husband's friendship. Does that question make sense? <laughs> it totally does. Okay. I think that it's a normal, a pretty normal thing when we get married, especially if that marriage relationship is really healthy and doing well to go great. I got all I need. I feel good right here, you know, and mm-hmm. to, to not really pursue those other friendships. But I do think we need them. I, I don't think our marriage relationship can sustain the full weight of what we need relationally from people, which is why New Testament, the the church, this community of people coming together is important. Eventually, when hard times come for us or for our spouse, I think that's when we're going to feel that loss that we don't have those other relationships, whether we're going through something hard and our husband just can't be there in the way that we need him to be. He's got to be at work that day or you need help at this time or whatever. And same, sometimes your husband goes through a hard season And he just can't be there for you in the way. So those other relationships, women for me, other men for my husband, are really important to go to cultivate. But they can be intimidating and scary to form depth of relationship with those people, especially if you have it kind of in a safe place of marriage. But I do think we thrive when that's happening. And I think the other women that that will benefit from those friendships on the other side, right? We, we join communities, not just because we need the community, but because the community needs us, that we need to be in the lives of others to pour out our lives to them, encourage them and strengthen them. We're tempted to believe lies of the enemy. And this is like, you know, war zone, right? A spiritual war zone that we're all in. And we need to link arms together and fight together against the lies of the enemies and the attacks that, that he will, you know, put on our lives and reach out with the good news of the gospel together. And that's, that requires more than just our individual marriages. You know, we, we do have to reach outside of that. I think it's, it's hard for some of us when we get married in those good marriages to feel convinced of that. It just feels a little scarier, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It's to just say, I'm just going to stay here. But I think we're shortchanging ourselves from some depth of community that God intends. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I once shared this with a pastor of mine. This has been several years ago. And she actually, I went through a season where my husband and I were just kind of moved away from our church. But long story short, it was just kind of him and I for a season. Mm -hmm. And I had told her I was missing those connections. And she said, you know, sometimes I've noticed that God will put me and my husband away for a little bit so that we get Mm -hmm. really close before he 
releases to go back out and like then can make you know so like that that relationship yeah. it's kind of like the jesus relationship's really strong okay mm-hmm. then the next relationship needs to be really strong if you're married married that needs to yep. be the second strength mm-hmm. and then let's let all the other relationships go from there but when i was sharing this with my husband recently he, he thought it was funny because he's like rachel you have so many friends i can't even keep up with all your friends he's like how could you feel like you don't have friends and i told him i said you know i think the difference for me is i'm a one-on-one person like I am a like even just you and me even though we're just video and I'm seeing your face I I have to have that before I can really feel connected to people I'm not one of those people who can be in a big group of people and feel Mm -hmm. connected even though we were all at the same party or whatever Mm -hmm. I'm like unless I have a one-on-one conversation with you I don't feel connected and then also I told him that I feel like he is the only one and my kids who have really seen me at my best and my worst. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me, like you and I are sitting here now and, you know, we're forming a friendship here, Right. but I'm going, yeah, but you haven't seen me at my worst, you know? Mm -hmm. So are you really my, like, there's thoughts of like, are we really friends? Because yeah, you you saw me where I'm smiling and we're talking and we're laughing and we're, you know, having fun together. And so I think for me, I'm such a deep person. That's the other struggle I have with friendships is, Mm -hmm. but do they really, really know me? Like what you mentioned earlier in the show, like you have those close few who like, they really know you, they really know your struggles. They really know your temptations. (laughs) Right. And I think we all need that, but it's on us to let people know us too. And I think that's, you know, we kind of all want the person to knock down our door and like get to know us on the hard days, but here's the reality. And my husband uh, used to tour a lot as a musician. And so he would be gone a lot. And so that's maybe why I was forced to still cultivate some of these deep relationships, but he would be gone. He'd be on the stage. I couldn't talk to him. I'm having a little mini meltdown at home and out of the blue go, Hey, uh, I'm really not okay right now. Can I talk to you? I'd much rather them happen to text me or I kind of send one of those leading texts. Have you ever done that? Like, Hey, what are you doing right now? Do you want to talk maybe (laughs) instead of just saying I'm not okay. And I need to talk to somebody about it right now. Mm. That is a really, really difficult thing to do because it's vulnerable. It's exposing yourself, but on every and every moment that I've done that, I have been met by friends with grace, with welcome, with encouragement. That's been really transformational. And what it's done for them is then they've gone, oh, I can do that too. It mm. frees them to then not deal with their own heart alone in their closet, but go, I remember that time when Kelly called me, was super upset, and I got to be that for her. That was awesome. I'm not okay right now. I also now feel the freedom to go, I'm going to call her or I'm going to call someone else and say, I'm not okay right now. Can you talk to me? Can we process together? My life has been changed by those moments. But each time, even now, it's so hard to be vulnerable. It's so hard to open up and share. And sometimes it hasn't always been met with the type of response I've I've wanted, you know, because it's a relationship. It's messy. It's not a formula. But overall, I just, I would never change that. People know me in a way that, and I feel like when I walk in a church, I can see people and like, oh yeah, you've seen me under construction, you know, with like my life in shambles and you still loved me through that. And I, you feel like a, a war buddy now, like a comrade, like there's a closeness there is really special that I wouldn't trade. And we, we need that but it just takes us to put ourselves out there to do it. It's usually not going to come to us. We've got to be willing to say, to raise a white flag and say, Hey, I need help. Can you, can you help me? Yeah. I love that you brought that up because you actually just 
release some freedom to me. I, I don't struggle to be vulnerable with people. I struggle to feel like a burden to them. You yeah, know, like I totally. wrestle through that whole, oh, they probably have so much on their plate. Oh, I know they're, <laughs> they're, they're home with their kid today. No, I'm not going to bother them. I don't want to bother you, you know, but mm-hmm. you just saying that really made me realize that so often our friends do consider it great honor to mm-hmm. when we call and like, Hey, I need, I need to talk to somebody yeah. or any, you know, I'm, I'm melting down. And then, like you said, it releases them to do the same. So thank you for that yeah. perspective That's shift. Awesome. Yeah. I, I often tell people too, what, how would you feel if someone called you yeah. and said, I'm not okay. You'd probably feel like, like you said, honored. Mm-hmm. They would trust me. Uh, you would clear your schedule for them, not out of a burden, but out of joy because you know what it's like to need help and to be there for them. Like you actually invite that other person to like thrive in their God-given potential to be a support and, and a help. And they're probably going to need that too one day, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I love that. It's also just getting laying on the table because it's easy, like you said, to be like, so would you like to get together, <laughs> maybe have coffee? And so they're reading that as, oh, she's just wanting to hang out when exactly. really you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to talk to somebody, you know, like, and so I like totally. just being honest about it. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, okay. So we're about to wrap up. We've, I could go on for a long time about this, but I have, <laughs> I have one final question for you. What relationship or communication skills do you feel like have been the most life changing in in friendships? Because I feel like communication, kind of like what we were talking about, is one of the toughest things for women in particular. I feel like guys are are better at this. I don't know. (laughs) They're just better about being like, hey, this is this is at least my husband is. I can't speak for all the guys. They're like, this is what it is. (laughs) Laying it on the table, not sugarcoating (laughs) anything. And so do you have any tips on communication? Yeah, I would say learning to be honest Mm. and speak truthfully with my friends has been by far the most transformational thing. In Ephesians chapter four, it says to put aside falsehood. And that's part of uh, in a passage on unity in the body, put aside falsehood and speak the truth one to another. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I was kind of fake with some of my friends. Mm. And I, I was that way out of, quote, love. I, mm. I thought I was being loving because I was maybe offended by that friend. And so instead of telling them, hey, that hurt my feelings, I would just kind of bottle it up and go, oh, I'm not going to make them feel bad for that. I'm going to like sacrificially love them by just kind of being quiet about it. But what happened is they didn't know they hurt me. There was now this tension in the relationship that they didn't know about. So I kind of slowly pull away And they feel like abandoned by me or my friendship, but I didn't even give them a chance to change. I wasn't honest with them. And so I had to learn the hard way over years that that doesn't actually love, that's not actual love for people, or it doesn't actually serve my friendships for me to just be fake, but instead go, I'm going to be honest. And I'm going to call that friend up and say, Hey, this happened recently to me. Hey, that text you sent me felt kind of passive aggressive and it hurt my feelings that you would assume that of me. And we had this like 30 minute conversation on the phone while I was in line to pick up my kids from school. And it was really great because she was able to share, man, I got super insecure that day and this happened and I did just shoot off that text without thinking and I'm sorry and can you forgive me? And I was able to speak into the insecurity she was feeling and this great thing happened, but it only happened because I was willing to push through my nerves because I still feel nervous with that and call my friend and say, Hey, that hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest with you and straightforward and not beat around the bush. I'm going to be frank and real, but in love and in kindness and real friendships 
form out of that. Those moments of conflict and tension are actually a way that we fight for unity. Mm. When we see something hindering our unity instead of avoiding it, we go to it and say, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Let's address it. Let's strengthen this bond that's weak. And it feels really counterintuitive to us to maybe pursue tension in a spirit of unity. But I really think that's, that's what it takes for us to be unified. Otherwise we just have fake friendships. We have these fake communities where we like say nice things to each other in the lobby, but underneath we're hurt and wounded and distant from each other and kind of going, what happened to that friendship? I don't, I don't really know. I don't think any of us really want that. So real friendship, I think it takes a willingness in our communication with each other to be honest, to be real to not beat around the bush, to say what we actually mean. Like you said, not, hey, can we go to coffee and talk? But like, hey, I'm not okay. I would love to get together with you because I need encouragement. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have time this week? Things will change when we start talking like that. And it takes all of us to do that. It starts with us. And hopefully our efforts in that will free other people around us to start doing the same thing. And then our our, our communities now can fight for the real things in life instead of just having all these interpersonal drama things under the surface, we can kind of cut that out of the picture, be unified together, and then move forward the kingdom of God and our, our, the time that we have in this earth together with our communities and go, there's work to be done. Let's go do it together. And we can get to the real, the real work, the real good stuff. Once we kind of just say, I'm going to quit the drama. I'm going to speak the truth and love and, and fight for real friendship. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And, you know, in the counseling world, we call that carefrontation. And actually, I feel like when I learned that word carefrontation versus confrontation, I think confrontation can have a little bit of a scary Mm hovering around it. I know for me, for years, I hated confrontation. I would run and hide from it. And when the Lord shifted that perspective that really you are caring about that other person by in that relationship, you know, you're saying, hey, this relationship is more valuable to me than the icky feeling of nerves I have going on right now, you know, then so it's enough to where you go, I I value you and I value this relationship more than what could go wrong if I, you know, if I bring it up and you don't respond right. But the thing is, and and again, I'm learning this the really hard way is when we don't bring those offenses up, they just Mm -hmm. fester and they grow and, and they just like take on this life of their own. And then, like you said, then you have those friendships where you go, I don't know what happened. Well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. You had an offense that you did not bring up. And that offense is literally, I mean, it's literally like a fence, you know, between you and that person of, okay, until we talk about this thing, you guys are going to have a wall between you and there's just no way around that. So yeah. Oh my goodness. This has been so good. So real, no pun intended. (laughs) I I really appreciate this and I just appreciate your heart for this topic. Um, Before we hop off, can you let people know where they can find you online if they want to connect to you? Sure. You can head to my website, kellyneedham.com. I've done a lot of writing on friendship there. And so if people maybe just want to check that out before they buy the book, you can read some articles there. And then I am on social media, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, all those places just under my name, Kelly Needham. And my hope there is to be honest about what it is. It's a social thing. It's not necessarily real. But as much as I can encourage people who are on social media and point them back to Christ and to fight for real friendships, that's what I'm trying to do there. So you can find me there too. Perfect. And those links will always be in the show notes as well. So Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time today to come on and just talk about this. And I know so many women are going to be blessed by our conversation. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Rachel, for having me. Does anyone else feel inspired to be the best friend ever? 
Today's show came at a perfect time for me, and I really believe those of you listening will be blessed too. Hey, if you loved today's show, would you please leave a review on Apple Music, formerly known as iTunes? It gets this show in front of more people who need some real talk about Jesus and God's Word in their life. Don't forget to text the phrase Real Talk to the number 44222 to enter to win those books. All right, my friends, that's all that I have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I am always cheering for you, and I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.